from the Ledger Newsroom in Lakeland, Florida, this is Backcourt Violation, our weekly podcast bounces across the basketball universe with your host, Brady Fredrickson. Now, Backcourt Violation. How's everybody doing? It's uh, Brady from the Ledger here. Uh, Recording this podcast a little earlier in the week than normal because of the Thanksgiving holiday, but it's backcourt violation. Um, Got a lot of basketball to talk about. Not a lot today, but we are kind of inundated with teams and games and everything kind of happening now, whether it's the Orlando Magic, the Lakeland Magic, or uh, one of Polk County's local college teams, Florida Southern, Southeastern, Weber, Warner, Polk State. Everybody's playing right now. So if you're into that kind of thing, you have no shortage of games going on around town at any given time. Um, but I've got a few things that kind of were interesting to me this week that I thought were, were worth talking about and kind of as I cleared out my notebook, I thought were, were worth kind of sharing. And, and one of the things I've really noticed in the first few Lakeland Magic games, and they, they will return home uh, this weekend, Friday and uh, Saturday, um, but Troy Capane, uh, we've talked about him before, the point guard uh, guy from Cincinnati. He's a rookie. Um, you know, he's been a good player for them so far, probably the most steady player amongst uh, the, the Magic's core six or seven guys. But the crazy thing about Capane is not that he's you know, the steady kind of quintessential point guard who can kind of just you know, get your team running smoothly and efficiently. It's that so far this season, he's averaging 8.1 rebounds per game. And, you know, that's a good number for somebody who's, you know, a power forward or a center. But for a point guard who's 6'2", 6'3", that's crazy. And, uh, and I just thought that was wild. And it was one of those situations where he's had 15, 16 rebounds in a game this season, which I've never seen that from a guard that often. I guess the only guy you can really think of that, that rebounds like that, and, and obviously you can't compare <laughs> Troy Capane to these guys, but, you know, Russell Westbrook is, you know, an animal on the boards in the NBA and and Rajon Rondo used to be kind of the guy who who did a lot of that and Capane in some ways I guess in terms of you know physicality and build and you know the ability to rebound and also find guys is a little Rondo-esque in that regard he's certainly not the the passer that Rondo was in his prime and he certainly is a better shooter than Rondo has ever been but you know that's kind of one of those skills that when you look at guards you don't really think about as being you know a must-have and, and I kind of asked Dan Heath that a couple, you know, a couple days ago, kind of after, you know, Troy had had one of those games with ten rebounds, and I asked him, "Have you ever had a guy like this?" And he said, "No." And it's such a weird thing, but I'll let him kind of explain a little more here. He gets in. He's a physical guard, and um, he's unique because there's there's things that that you don't necessarily that you want from your point guard that you don't right. necessarily get from him, but there's other things you get from him that you that don't expect. Like, wow, that's a bonus, you know. Right. So, He's, he's, and the thing I don't think he gets credit for, he's a very smart player. Like, yeah. he understands things that are happening out there on the floor very well. And so Copain's been one of the guys who, uh, who Heath has really relied upon this season. I would say that probably, you know, in terms of consistency among players, it would be Copain and Rodney Purvis as a scorer has been really consistent. And, uh, you know, I, I guess you can kind of count the, the Orlando Magic assignees and Wessa Wundu and, and Kem Birch, but those two are, are guys who have these you know NBA contracts and they're just down here you know staying sharp so they're not really the quote-unquote you know G League type player like the other two are but even Jamel Artis who's a guy who really you know quietly lately has just been on fire offensively and and that's why this team only has two losses this year um but the other thing that I kind of found interesting was you know 
Capain's a guy I talked to earlier this season before the year kind of to do a story about how close he and Purvis had gotten over the course of training camp and whatnot because they're guys who had played against each other a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. In, high, or in college, one, Troy at Cincinnati and Rodney at uh, Connecticut. But, you know, he's a guy who really, you know, has an idea of how this is going, how the G League is supposed to work. And he had spent the whole summer in Orlando working out with the Magic. Uh, and he was officially, I guess you could say, technically the first member of the Lakeland Magic because even before they had their open tryout uh, earlier this year, you know, Anthony Parker, the general manager, knew that, that Troy Capain was the one guy that they could say at that point, we're going to have this guy in camp. And so, um, yeah, so Troy's been around the block for a while with this team despite being a rookie. And he kind of talked about the experience of, of being with the, with the big magic and kind of what that's been like and how that's transitioned and translated to the G League experience. It's not all about laughing and joking anymore. It's not college, you know, it's not a schedule. You have a lot of free time, so, you know, it's about bettering your body, how they get treatment, you know, watching them, how they operate when they come in, when they come in early, you know, when they leave, what they do during their workouts, you know, using the staff, using the personnel, using all the NBA you know, material. So, you know, it's kind of helped me when I come here because it's kind of the same thing. You know, we, we run our program exactly how the Magic run their program, um, from how the coach, coaches want their stuff to how the Mark wants his stuff to how Hex wants his lifting, you know, to how we run our unit as a team. So just having those guys, you know, when Cam comes down and, and uh, Wes comes down and AP just telling us what to do and they're not just not being a, an unorganized team, but being together, uh, keeping everything in line. You know, we, we have fun, but, you know, when it's serious time, when we step on the lines, it's serious, and, you know, it keeps us together. So that's that. We'll see uh, We'll see how the team plays as they come home this weekend. They play uh, the New York Knicks affiliate on Friday at 7, and then on Saturday they play, I believe, the Milwaukee Bucks affiliate. So, um, you know, it's been a fun kind of style of basketball. It's a little different from what you'll see from the college teams, you know, faster, more threes, a lot of points. So uh, if you haven't gone out, you know, it's worth checking out. It's kind of cool. Um, and the other thing I've kind of wanted to touch on is the college basketball run here because early portions of the schedule, but as December rolls around, as I was doing my scheduling today, uh, there is a lot of uh, pretty good basketball on the college front coming this weekend, or not this weekend, this next month. Um, you know, I covered Southeastern men versus, uh, you know, the Weber men this week or past week, and I was really kind of interested to see how Weber would play. You know, they're under a new coach, Alan Corbin. They've got Essentially, 85% of the team is new in Southeastern. is coming off a year where they were, you know, as down as they've been due to injuries and, and a number of things. And, and I was expecting kind of this game of, of up-and-coming kind of sleepery type teams. And, and what had happened was <laughs> Southeastern blew them out the gym. Uh, and that was surprising. I, I did not expect, you know, Weber to be down 30-plus points at any point. Um, from what I had heard and what I had seen when they played against uh, Stetson in Division One team, they looked like you know, a squad capable of scoring and keeping up with anybody. But, you know, Southeastern has surprised me. They beat, uh, they beat Warner, you know, who's pretty consistently been the most steady team in this area over the last three, four years. Um, and, you know, Warner is still trying to kind of figure themselves out as they build uh, beyond the Warren Hall era. But, you know, I mean, to see Southeastern go 2-0 against those teams kind of showed me at least early on that they're, you know, a team that's capable of doing things down the line. Now, the problem with them throughout the past two years, since they've really made their run three or four years ago, is health. And they, you know, seem to have 
a big guy get dinged up here or a starter get dinged up there and they kind of drop down because of that. So assuming that Southeastern stays healthy, you know, they've shown enough in the past, I guess, week even just to me to show that they're a team that's capable of beating anybody. And the exciting part about that is, as I mentioned, uh, you know, as I mentioned next month is St. Francis, the current number two team in the NAI is Division Two. Uh, they're coming to play in the in a, in a tournament at Southeastern in the, at the end or middle of next month in December. And actually, it'll be a two-day event where Southeastern will play them the first game and Warner will get them the second game. Um, so it'll be kind of an interesting thing to watch two of these teams who are, you know, either Warner, in this case, was number 25, Southeastern was receiving votes, you know, to see them play against a team that's that's an obvious contender in St. Francis. And, and you know, it's it's going to be one of the situations where, you know, with it being a back-to-back, which you don't see a whole lot in college basketball outside of these tournaments, but, you know, I would almost, without seeing Warner, without having a whole lot to, to kind of go on, you know, Warner's going to have a shot to upset them because they get them on the second night after they've played Southeastern, you know, 24 hours earlier. So that'll be interesting. That's, um, that's going to be a good game, I think, both of those. Uh, Weber and Warner will play uh, before that early in the month on uh, December 2nd, I want to say. And then Florida Southern's off and running too. Uh, they won their, they both, the men and the women, won their season openers on uh, this past week. And, uh, and they'll be in and out over the next month before the Sunshine State Conference schedule really kicks in in January. So, um, yeah, so like I said, there's a lot going on. Uh, and we have a lot to touch on in the future. But um, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, if you have anything for me, you know, send me a tweet, shoot me an email, find me on whatever your favorite social media platform is, and maybe we can answer some questions and do some of that next time. So uh, I'm Brady. Uh, this is Backcourt Violation. Thanks for hanging out.